You are listening to the Moment of Truth podcast. I am your host, Solomon Green. Sometimes it seems that God is asking us to do something that's impossible. Sometimes you don't want to do what he's asked you to do. I can certainly relate to that. In this lesson, we'll be focusing on how when we do what God says, and when we do his will, he has no choice but to protect us. There are many examples in the Bible where we can see God protecting his servants. We can go to Noah. In the book in in Genesis, uh, Noah is the only righteous man on earth, Noah and his family. There's wickedness all around. And no one is, they're doing their own thing. They're, they're, they're ignoring God. They've forgotten him. And they're just doing their own thing. God speaks to him. He says, look, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kill everybody. I'm, I'm going to wipe everyone out. So what I need you to do, I want you to save yourself and your family, build an ark, fill, fill it with your, you and the animals of, you know, the planet, you know, the land animals. And I'm going to wipe everyone away. Everyone was laughing at Noah for years. But eventually the flood came. And he was the only one, him and his family were the only ones who survived. You can take, uh, you can take Moses. Where he had to go into Egypt. A wanted man, go into Egypt. And he had to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. These are my people. You've built your kingdom on the backs of slaves. That's enough. We're leaving. God will use you. And when you when you submit to him and you do his will, he will use you. And he has no choice but to give you what you need to succeed. Because what God's not going to do, God is not someone who's going to embarrass himself. God's not going to be someone who embarrasses his children. Because he, he, he doesn't want that. Because what it is, it's a reflection on him. If he were to, if he were to send Moses, like like say for a second, let's let's go back to the story of Moses. God tells Moses, "Go back to Egypt and get my people out of there." But God doesn't do what God doesn't send the plagues. He doesn't, you know, use different signs and wonders. He doesn't open the waters and they just totally, you know. Moses and the Israelites are just completely and totally humiliated. That's reflection back on God. And he's like, wow, some God, he just, he just left them out to dry. He just hung them out to dry. God's not going to do that. If he's asked you to do something and he has a specific purpose for your life, he will give you whatever you need to accomplish the task. When it came time for Moses to set the Israelites free, well, what happened? Well, what are the ten? Well, look at the ten plagues, which which were signs that God was with that God was with the Israelites and working against the Egyptians. Because if you read the story, um, you know the ten plagues can be found. I want to say they can be found from like Exodus seven to like Exodus twelve. Um, fact check me on that. But you can see that God is looking at 
that God looks at, looks down at his people and he says, you know what? I'm going to send plagues and they're going to touch the Egyptians. And by the way, the Israelites are living in like the same area of, you know, there's st- they live in Egypt. But the, the, the plagues don't harm the Egyptian. The plagues don't harm the Israelites. The blood, you know, the water's turned to blood. You know, you have... Uh, you have the plague of frogs, you have uh, lice, you have the flies, you have the livestock where they just drop dead. That didn't, ha- that didn't happen to the Israelites. The Egyptians, you know, their livestock were, were falling off and dying, not the Egyptians. There was the plague of boils, and boils are these just horrific open wounds on your body and they are they're just horrific they're ugly and they really really hurt very painful affected the egyptians didn't touch the israelites the plague of hail the locusts the plague of darkness that's amazing and then the plague of the firstborn when god sent the angel of death took the firstborn of the took the firstborn of the Egyptians and not the Israelites. And God did God did that one um, because earlier and early in the story, which is kind of where Moses comes in, that's how he that's how he gets into the palace and whatsoever. Um, Pharaoh thinks that there's too many of too many slaves and that they're gonna uprise, have an uprising. And so to prevent the insurrection, he says, you know what, kill all the firstborn of the Israelites, kill all the firstborn boys. So that way we can control them. God gets his revenge here. But God uses, God will, God used Moses and Aaron. You know, God had, I mean, Moses had all these excuses. Uh, God, I'm a wanted man there. Um, they're not going to listen to me. Uh, I don't speak well. God gave Moses every single thing that he needed. Okay, Moses, you can't talk. You don't have to talk. Go, go find Aaron. Take Aaron and go right into the palace. Everything that Moses needed was provided to him. Take the story of Joshua. Look at what happened there. So Moses dies and God tells, God tells Joshua, Hey, Josh, you know, Moses is dead now, but I still need, you know, my people still aren't in the promised land. That's your job now. You lead them. They come to Jericho. Jericho's has, Jericho has this huge, you know, it's this huge city. And God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Just march around. Um, and then on, do that for, you know, six days. And then on the seventh day, march and then shout. The plan seems completely and totally and utterly ridiculous. But what did they do? They were obedient. They did exactly what God wanted them to do. So they did as God said, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. They march and they shout. The walls uh, come on down. I mean, what a, what a, what a blessing, what a blessing that that is. And you can even, you can even take you know, the small story within that story of Rahab, where she's a prostitute. 
and God, you know, touches her heart to where she, to where she covers and saves the spies and, uh, you know, lies for them. And she, she saves them. And by her being obedient, her way of escape out of Jericho is possible. Because if, if, if it weren't for, I mean, no Rahab, you know, you know, she dies in all the rubble as well. So it's an extraordinary blessing. Take Gideon. Gideon is a, Gideon is a huge, uh, and great example. So Gideon is pretty much, the story of Gideon is like, uh, Judges chapter six to Judges and Judges seven. And what happens is Gideon is a, he's a guy who he just, he's a young man and God uses him to set, uh, his people free from the Midianites. But God doesn't do it the way that you would think it would happen. Originally, there's an army of, of people that's 32,000, 32,000 men. That's, that's, that's pretty good. You know, in, in that day, 32,000, God looks down, he sees, uh-uh. y'all have too many, get in, you have too many, tell them whoever's scared can go home, 22,000 leave, so now you're down to 10,000, and Gideon's like, oh man, gosh, that's, you know, that's like a third, I mean, we only have a third left, okay, well, I guess, well, I guess we'll figure it out. God looks down and says, "Nah, still too many, still too many. Have them go, uh, have them go down to the brook to drink, and just watch how they drink. If they just put their face in the water and just drink, you know, normally, you know, you know, we can't really use them. If they drink like a dog, then you can use them. Three hundred pass the test." That's 1%. That's a little under, I want to say that's a little under 1% of the original number, if, if you do the math. But what did they do? They obeyed God. That's amazing. So Gideon splits up the army into, uh, into three groups and he gives everyone, he gives everyone in the army trumpets and, uh, jars with torches inside of them. And then, uh, you know, after marching uh, to the Mennonite camp, they surrounded the area. They blew their trumpets and they broke the jars and the Mennonites were just terrified. I mean, they had no idea what was going on. And the Mennonites just fled. 300 people. I mean, the Mennonites were a very, very powerful army. And they, the Israelites, beat them with 300 people. 300, 300 dudes. But what does that show you? That is another example of God keeping his promise. If he, he says, look, if you do as I say and you, you submit to my will, whatever you need, I will provide for you. I'm not going to say, I'm not necessarily, I may not say how, I may not say when, I may not say where, but what you, but what you need, I will supply. Just obey me. Now, God isn't asking you or me to lead an army. He's not asking you or me to walk around Jericho and cry and scream and the walls come tumbling down. He's not asking you or me to part the Red Sea. 
He's not asking you and me to uh, spend 70 years building an ark. He's not asking us that. He, But he does have something for every single one of us. As I've talked about earlier, he has a purpose for every single one of us. And when we submit to that, when we submit to his will, when we do exactly as he's called us to do, he will provide exactly what we need. You need finances? Okay. It may be it may be through a job, it may be, you know, who who, who knows? But God will supply all of your needs. You know, there's a powerful, powerful verse, you know. And uh, I, I think one of the greatest miracles ever is uh, in Exodus 14. Where the Israelites, they have just, they've been set free. Pharaoh's heart was hardened completely and he, he, he folds. He says, you know what, just take your people and get out of here. Just get out of here. You, got, you guys are too much of a headache. It's not even worth it. The Israelites go. They're led by Moses. And well, they're they're led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud pillar of cloud by day, and they're walking. They come to the Red Sea, and they're 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 stuck. They can't go behind them because Pharaoh is like, "What am I doing? What have I done? I can't believe I just let these people go." You know what? I'm just. You know what? I'm. I'm gonna just. I'm. I'm. I'm just gonna wipe them. I'm just gonna kill them all. The Red Sea is in front of them. They're in. They're in the desert. Behind them are the Egyptians. In Exodus 14, uh, it's just. It's such a beautiful story. Such. A, it's such a beautiful story. Um, let me see. Where is it? Exodus. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Exodus 14 and uh, verse number 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? And they And they were very reasonably afraid. I can totally understand it. People, you know, I've heard people sometimes say, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't have been scared. I've seen all that God had done. When you are in the middle of a crisis and in front of you is drowning and behind you are swords and spears and horses. You're you're going to you're going to kind of forget what's going on, what 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 recently happened, because you're immediately your face. You're in the face of death. So they're terrified. And they're like, Moses, what have you done? Like, this, this is, this is the worst possible option. You freed us. We're out. And now we're either going to drown or we're going to, or I'm going to have a sword go through my chest. Thank, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Moses. Appreciate it. Moses answered the people and said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And then in verse seven, and then in verse sixteen, Moses is told by God to go to raise his hand over the sea and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. 
Wow. I mean, that that's amazing. And so God, in verse, going down to verse 20, he, he gives, he gives the Israelites some time and he, he creates a barrier. Uh, he creates a barrier that prevents the, that prevents the Egyptians from going to the Israelites, but he allows the Israelites to have a path of escape and they go through with water rising on both sides. Just by being obedient to God, God made a way of escape. God was not going to humiliate Moses and let his people to just die just like that. He wasn't, he, that, that was, there was no intention for that to happen. God allowed that to happen so people could see, God, his own people could see and God's enemies could see, oh, he, no, no, this, whoever God is, he's really something and he can do anything. That's, that's not a group of people that I want to go against. When people look at you, you will go through things in your life. I've gone through things in my life and I will continue to go through things in my life where I have to look at things and I say, you know what? God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what it is that I don't, I don't know how, I don't know all the details. You've given me a, you've given me a vision. You've given me a dream. You've given me a purpose. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how it's going to come about, but God, I trust you and I'm going to obey you. You watch and see what God does for you.